welcome to Teachers Supporting Teachers. This is a podcast sharing insights into being and becoming a teacher. So I'm your host, Narelle Lemon. I'm an Associate Professor in Education at Swinburne University of Technology in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm curious and love to use this strength to find out more. So what better way to support others than to create this podcast series to be able to gain insights and perspectives from colleagues and friends. So in this series, series six of Teachers Supporting Teachers, we're doing something different again. Series six is an international collaboration. We're working across multiple universities in Australia and Malaysia, and we want to enable Australian and Malaysian pre-service teachers to be heard, for their voices to be listened to about what it's been like for them to train to become a teacher during a global pandemic. We have the overarching theme of well-being as future teachers, becoming a teacher during a pandemic. And we ask the questions such as, what does well-being mean to us, to you, to me? What does it look like, feel like, and sound like? What's worked? What hasn't? What have we learnt from others? Where have there been surprises in our own personal and professional growth? What new wellbeing practices have emerged? What does it mean to be a compassionate educator at this time? So enjoy this series as we glean lots of different perspectives and international perspective on what it means to become a teacher during the pandemic. Teachers Series 6, Episode 4. And in this episode, I'm so delighted to have my colleague Marcel with two of her students, Charmaine and Mariah, share their experiences of becoming and being a teacher during the pandemic. Enjoy this episode. So welcome everyone to the podcast series titled Teachers Supporting Teachers. My name's Marcel Cacciatolo and I'm the course chair of the Master of Teaching Secondary Program at Victoria University in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm delighted to be involved in this podcast series. In this episode, we will focus particularly on the theme well-being as future teachers during the pandemic. And we'll hear from two pre-service teachers at Victoria University who've encountered several challenges during the lockdown period and whose stories demonstrate resilience and grit in the face of adversity and uncertainty. And so we have Charmaine Murphy and Mariah Pasqua who are both currently enrolled in the Master of Teaching Secondary program. And both Charmaine and Mariah are in their second year of study and they've kindly agreed to participate in this podcast session. So thank you so much for coming. And in our podcast session today, we're interested in in exploring wellbeing strategies that have assisted Charmaine and Mariah to maintain a sense of positivity and meaning in their personal and professional lives during, during the COVID pandemic. And so we all know just how challenging the pandemic has been for all of us and the toll that it has taken on people's lives. And in the case of pre-service teachers like Charmaine and Mariah, who've also had to complete school placements as part of their studies, it's worthwhile listening to their experiences and how they navigated themselves around some of the tricky situations that they were faced with in order to be successful in their studies and in their personal lives. So with this in mind, let's hear from Charmaine and Mariah, and I might give a warm welcome and I'll introduce you to both of them. So Mariah, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Thanks, Marcel. Um, Hi, everyone listening. I'm Mariah Pasqua. I'm currently studying uh, to be a secondary teacher, and my current specialisations are in design technology, uh, particularly wood tech uh, and art. 
prior to beginning my teacher course, I also completed the graduate certificate in secondary teaching in order to use as a stepping stone to then enroll into the master of teaching secondary degree. One random interesting thing about me is that I'm actually an industrial designer. I'm very passionate about combining design thinking into my pedagogy to use in secondary classrooms. And I also like to play Magic the Gathering, which is a card game that I play online and face to face with my friends. Thank you, Mariah. And we'll hear more about your magic tricks and the gathering card game that you play a little bit later on. But thank you for giving us a bit of an insight into who you are and some of the studies that you've also engaged in. So Charmaine, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Thank you, Marcel and Mariah. Hello, I am Charmaine Murphy. I am also studying to be a secondary school teacher and my specialisations are humanities and English. A bit about me, I have been in school my whole life. I went from secondary school to completing a Bachelor of Arts at Victoria University and I'm now completing my master's degree in secondary teaching. An interesting fact about me is I am passionate about writing and I have a short story published in a Victoria University anthology titled In the Company of Words. And I am currently pursuing my dream of being an actress and I recently performed in the Adams Family Musical with Dynamic Performers Australia. Thank you, Charmaine. It'd be great also to to hear more about some of your theatrical skills and also thank you for sharing a little bit about your studies. So I guess, you know, we've had a great introduction from you both. So it'd, it'd be good to just get straight into the questions. And we've got a couple of questions. So the first few questions are pretty much uh, related to, to you and the strategies you use during the pandemic. And following on from, from these questions, I'm sure that the listeners and I would really like to hear about some of those proactive strategies that you adopted that helped you to be successful in your studies and during your placement. The first question, I'll start with you, Mariah. Can you, can you please tell me about some of the strategies you used during the pandemic lockdown and, and how, how did this help you to get through, through this time, this difficult time? Yeah, um, probably the biggest uh, strategy that I had was having a very close-knit connection with my family, my friends, my partner. So I had a lot of people around me that were very supportive and loving and just being there, just being there to talk to. Um, I also had like my dog as well. So being in lockdown, I had an excuse to sort of go out and exercise and keep sort of like a daily routine going. And just like having a dog as well, just sort of him doing goofy things and just being able to go outside, breathe some fresh air, not being in front of the computer all the time. Um, and I was also very fortunate enough to have a job still. So I was still able to go into work and get out of the house a little bit and break that sort of five kilometer rule where I was allowed to kind of, you know, get a work permit, permit sorry, um, and uh, go out and see other people other than just the people that I live with. And also being tech savvy as well, I could communicate with my friends online and we were already sort of adapted to how we can communicate online in remote ways. Yeah. So it sounds like in many ways, Mariah, you were, you were lucky. You were able to, to go and work and to maintain. I'm, I'm taking it was a part-time um, job that you did. Yeah, and... yeah. So I was in retail. Okay. Um, yep. We were technically closed to the public, but we were still allowed to do click and collect. Yeah. So it was, it was still normal, but COVID normal. Yeah. Well, that's, I know that I've worked with a lot of, a lot of students who have really struggled because they weren't able to work during the lockdown period and that, that caused a, a lot of financial stress, especially for some of my international students who many of them actually had to go home and it was really, really challenging for them in terms of being able to, you know, to maintain their studies. And so that that's a, I think that's a really good story. And it was also, I can imagine, Mariah, just good to also have that social network, just having being able to get out of the house. I think would be really a positive, positive yeah. encounter for you. Yeah, in my case, I think I was just definitely so fortunate yeah. um, with just the people, work, friends, everything. Yeah. Thanks. So, Charmaine, what about you? What were some of the things, what were some of the strategies that you adopted during the pandemic lockdown that helped you just in terms of giving you a sense of, I guess, positivity in your life? Yes, well, I am quite lucky that I still live with my parents, so I didn't have to stress about, you know, accommodation and trying to pay rent, as well as being a full-time student. 
I didn't have to tackle those problems associated with having to work from home or losing jobs and all those financial stresses. And I'm like safe at home and I have those social networks with all my siblings and my parents. So they were a very good support for me and to maintain my sanity, I suppose, during these lockdowns. I also was able to enjoy some of my theatre. It was good online. We did rehearsals online, which was a bit challenging, but it was it gave you a sense of community as well as I had church online. So I wasn't separated from being unable to attend church services in person. And all these things really contributed to maintaining a sense of meaning and purpose in my life, as well as, you know, hobbies such as my knitting. Yeah. So it seems to me that, you know, you have a lot of social support group networks that you're able to draw on during this time. You had support from your family, you live at home. You also had support from your from your church group. And there was then the theatre. That sounds really interesting. You were doing some theatre performances. What were you, was this for the Adams Family? Yes, yeah, so this was for the Adams Family comedy musical. And yeah, so we had to like practice like our singing online, dancing, which is like incredibly difficult on Zoom. There were many instances of trying to watch the choreographer on the Zoom and being like, wait, is that your left arm or your right arm? Oh, I've been doing it with my left arm. And then just trying to figure out how to put this all on stage, but many fun times. That's excellent. Have you had a chance since the lockdowns have finished? Did you actually do the performance? live or was it online yes. so we performed on the 9th and 10th of april on stage at the wyndham cultural center mm-hmm. two shows only it was such an amazing experience performing live in front of an audience and seeing them connect with the story and really interact with us and laugh at all the humorous things that were going on it was a wonderful experience well, congratulations to you and uh, what, a, what a great achievement, you know, to have had that time online to come together as a, as a team and then fast forward, you're performing live in April and you must have all felt like this was a great opportunity where we had come together and now uh, I guess, you know, to also have the audience there right in front of you, I think that's that's amazing. So excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you both. So. The next question is really around, did you ever experience any moments of anxiety uh, during the pandemic? And, and if so, what might have, might have been some of the triggers? What were some of those triggers? Um, we'll start with you, Mariah, if that's okay. Yeah, um, so just like everyone else, your health was probably the number one priority for everyone during COVID. I have grandparents who are elderly and quite vulnerable. So like my grandpa, for example, he's had a lot of heart attacks and a lot of other health issues that kind of build up on one another. I mean, I also had a family friend who lives with my grandparents and she caught COVID. So that was just like a really stressful time, just worrying about, oh, is she going to spread it to my grandparents? But she's also got to isolate and she can't really go anywhere else other than staying with my grandparents. So that was just uh, a general trigger, just worrying about the people around me as well as myself and like, what if I catch it, I'm going to be spreading it to them as well. Other than that, my honours year is uh, my final year of my undergrad degree that I completed online. So I think I only had maybe one or two classes in person before we switched to online. And my final year was, it's a very, very practical unit. So we need to physically make things using um, like machinery, like CNC routers, laser cutters, all that kind of stuff. And then when we suddenly had to go back home and do everything online, it was almost impossible to like complete all these deliverables. So that my last honours year and just like worrying about my family um, pretty much was the biggest triggers, things that caused my anxiety and stuff for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. And you also mentioned, you know, having elderly grandparents and I can, I can, you know, I can really sympathise with that in the sense that when we we're around people who, who are a bit older than us, where at the time we were really, everyone was so cautious, weren't they? We were all really worried about making sure that we were not passing on the, on the COVID, not passing on COVID to, to our loved ones. So thank you so much. What about you, Charmaine? Did you have any triggers? Yes. Or, yeah. 
So for me, I think the biggest cause of anxiety, and I guess that, you know, really impacted my mental well-being is I, as part of like my church, I'm part of a Bible study group for young women. And so this is like a really good social outlet for me, having to be able to interact with other women of faith who are around my age and therefore on a similar faith journey as me. Um, and we would meet up and study, you know, scripture and just really share our journeys and learn from each other. And we had to move that online. We couldn't meet up face to face anymore, which really limited what we could do. But then eventually that was no longer online. And in fact, it's only now just starting to run again. So because of this, I was like a little bit, you know, a little bit depressed, not being able to engage in that way. So Shaman, how did you deal with those kinds of emotions? Because I can imagine it would have been a really tough time for you. What strategies did you adopt? Yeah, so there wasn't much I could obviously do um, mm. with the group not running, but I'm not sure when this happened, but my best friend noticed that I was, you know, feeling a little bit negative, really focusing on those negatives. So she shared with me a TED talk by Alison Ledgerwood called A Simple Trick to Improve Positive Thinking. And it was just such a wonderful TED Talk that explained how we tend to focus on the negative things of our day. But if we flipped that and just focused on the positives and appreciated those small things and, you know, really expressed gratitude in that, that it really changes your mindset. So I started doing that with my best friends. Each day we would, at the end of the day, message each other the good things that had happened that day. And that really had a huge impact on my positivity and my mental health. Well, that was good that you were able to, first of all, reach out to a friend, yeah, when you weren't feeling, when you were feeling a bit anxious. And secondly, that TED Talk on positivity, I think, was, was excellent in that it gave you an opportunity to reframe as you said and you mentioned words like gratitude and mindset and how just taking the time out of of your day to think about well what was positive about your day what worked even uh, three good things I think are really good strategies that can can help all of us when we're not feeling so good at the end of a very very tiring day so the next series of questions are really around your school placements so, uh, Mariah, can you, can you tell me a little bit about the school where you completed your placement during yeah, COVID? So, um, I went to a regional high school um, and it was just from years 7 to 12. They're located in the Loddon Mallee region. Um, they had about 1,200 students and to those 1,200 students, they had about 99 actual teaching staff and then 44 non-teaching staff so um, they could be like the support teachers that come and help students that may need help in class and that sort of thing and two percent of those 1200 students they have a language background other than english mm -hmm. and then sort of the male to female ratio was almost 50 50 is like 48 or something to like 52 percent um, male to female and i was fortunate enough during this time to be allowed to visit the school in person to do my placement because it was in regional victoria uh, they didn't have the same learning restrictions as Metro. So I was one of the very few students who was actually allowed to get that face-to-face -face interaction and experience to actually see how the students were working as opposed to doing like Zoom classrooms. In this sort of school, the culture was very different to what I was expecting. Like VCAL and VET was almost the majority. So going into university wasn't really everybody's priority. Sort of dropping out at year 10, is kind of the norm for a lot of students. So a lot of it was trades focused. Most of their classes, they were very hands-on learners, uh, which was good for me because this is what I wanted to do. This is what I'm, my specializations are in wood tech, metal tech, product design, all those sort of things. So that was so good for me that I actually had that opportunity to physically have that experience. Um, whereas a lot of students didn't even get that chance to even see their students in person, get them to turn on the cameras and like on Zoom and stuff. But even though it was in person, there were still some restrictions in place. So like, for example, the teacher meetings, professional development meetings, they were all on Zoom. 
but the teachers were allowed to be on school campus grounds but just in their separate offices and there was also an extra set of rules that we had to enforce as well so like masks and like getting them to try to stay a safe distance away from each other which was almost impossible that kind of stuff was like extra covid rules that we had to police and worry about and just you know having to remind kids keep your mask on if you don't have a mask on put on your mask yeah but other than that i was so lucky regardless of those extra things to worry about i was so lucky i was even allowed to go out to see the kids in person yeah. it sounds like yeah you were one of the lucky ones i know that many of my pre-service teachers who uh who did and we'll hear from charmaine in a minute but who completed their placement remotely had a number of challenges and certainly i'd imagine mariah that having that face-to-face contact with not just your students but with also your mentor teacher was really beneficial for you in terms of developing those uh, those kinds of relationships sometimes it can only come when we're in person would you agree with that that's right yeah definitely i don't think i would have had the same experience i don't think i would have benefited at all if I had to do this online like I can't even imagine what I would have learnt if it was online I don't think I would have learnt much but yeah just that whole face-to-face social interaction uh, it does it goes a long way yeah and and just I'm just interested with the face-to-face contact uh, Mariah how did you deal with some of the students who you know we were all anxious at that time did you was that a daily occurrence with some of the students in your classroom where you had to support them around you know maybe they were feeling a little bit anxious around being in the classroom or maybe there were other additional pressures that they were facing did you have any of those encounters from the students that were actually in the school they were generally okay there were uh most of them were like complying with the rules keeping their masks on um students who were anxious they just didn't come to school at all so there would also be parents that were so anxious to the point where they'll just pull out their kids from school and there'd be a lot of absences so almost like maybe a third of some of the classes students just wouldn't be coming to school because the parents were too concerned they didn't want their students to you know catch or spread COVID and there'd always be sort of things that I had to adapt to as well that I wouldn't expect in a normal classroom pre-COVID so for example uh, if a student caught COVID that entire year level would have a day off pretty much Um, And then that would affect me as well, the teachers as well, because then they'd be like a whole day behind on all their lessons, which I'd have to catch up the next week um, or whatever next time they have their class. So there's a lot of sudden changes during that time. Uh, But yeah. Well, it sounds like having had that face-to-face experience also opened up, you know, possibilities of understanding and realising just how much an impact it was also having, as you said, to for some of the parents, because they were probably scared too for the welfare of, of their of their child or their children. Um, now, Charmaine, you had a slightly different experience in the sense that you didn't have a face to face encounter. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your placement? Yeah. So this was my first placement, and it was at a government secondary school from year 7 to 12 in a low SES school, low socioeconomic status school, located in the Wyndham area. At this school, there was like just over 100 teaching staff and there was 1,300 students enrolled. And it's a very multicultural school with 43% of their students speaking English as another language at home. And there were 4% of the students were Indigenous Australian students. So this school has the AVID program, which is a school-wide pedagogical approach that is committed to social justice, particularly for migrant and refugee families, as well as just enhancing the learning outcomes of students because it is a low socioeconomic school. And I was privileged to do this placement both online but also in person. So Charmaine, you said you did it... You did your placement in person and in online. How did that happen? Yeah, so when placement first started, we were face-to-face. And then within the first week, there was an announcement that we were going into lockdown. And so we had to transition to online learning. And I was fortunate enough to do some voluntary rounds so I could get that face-to-face element, which is critical in a teaching position. So my mentor allowed me to come 
outside of my rounds to teach when we went between lockdowns. When you were suddenly forced to teach remotely, had you ever done a teaching practicum before, Charmaine? Was this your first practicum? Yeah, so this was my first practicum. So that's that day when it was announced that we were going into lockdown, mm. we had had a meeting with like all the humanities teachers. Mm. And the first thing I had basically asked my teacher was, right, I've been learning how to create lesson plans in the classroom but now that's not going to work online how do I make lesson plans for online learning so were there any challenges when you uh, were at your school whether face-to-face or remotely that you encountered I mean one of the things you just said then was around the lesson planning but did can you just tell us a little bit about some of those challenges that you faced definitely so An obvious challenge being from a low socioeconomic area is there were some families who did not have internet access going online. It was just going to be impossible. So the first thing that happened was the school organized these packs where teachers would organize their content, what students had to learn. And the students could pick that up from the school and take that home and work on that for the period that we were in lockdown because there's no other way, right? So that was the first challenge. A second challenge was around attendance, just because these students are obviously exhausted sitting six hours a day on their computers, engaging in lessons. I struggle after three hours in my university classes. So there were students who weren't logging in for my lessons, which was a little bit disheartening, but also Those who did, did not necessarily access the resources that I uploaded onto Compass, which is a web-based school management system that some schools use to track attendance, well-being, learning and assessment and management and reporting. So I would upload my lesson plans on there, um, indicate when I was running a meeting to explain what they were working on for that session. And... I could see how many were actually logging into their compass to see how many of them were actually downloading the work and looking at it. And it was disappointingly very low. And another challenge is differentiating online. It's quite difficult to meet the learning needs of different students. Being a low socioeconomic school, if I decided that students needed to do a reading, I would then have to research a reading online that was suitable that all students could have access to because not all of them could afford to buy the eBooks. And additionally, I had a student with a learning difficulty and because I knew they had missed the session where I went through a presentation, if they had just read the presentation from what I uploaded on Compass, they were not going to understand it and with all, without all the context of my explanation. So what I did for that is I engaged with new digital media and I recorded myself speaking over the presentation and uploaded that onto Compass. So that way they could access that and have the complete context and have that content explained to them. So I think that was uh, just in terms of that approach where you pre-recorded yourself, Charmaine, and then you were able to then upload it on on Compass. I think that's in itself, I would imagine, would be really helpful for for students from different levels of kind of abilities, especially did you have any students, for example, who maybe needed to have additional resources as well? Yes, so it was... It was, it was tough I'm trying to make sure everything was simplified for people who needed that, and but also was a challenging enough to extend students, right? Trying to find readings was a challenge for that reason, difficult mm. vocabulary, but it needed to have the content that they were being assessed on. Mm. So it was always a challenge differentiation whilst online. But a great challenge, I think, Charmaine, from what you're saying, because it really did extend your skills and your knowledge in that area and having to also think and to forward plan, which is what I'm hearing you did, was also 
it was an important attribute to, I would imagine, to why your lessons would have been successful. So, Mariah, this, the next question is, what did you really like most about your school placement? What did you like most and how did this enhance your sense of positivity in your work with the school and students? Uh, yeah, I'm really thankful for my mentor. He was super supportive, just considering the whole situation that we were in with COVID and everything. All the teachers were very supportive and considerate that I was on my very first teaching round. They were just empathetic and everything. And the students as well, they were also just as good, just as fun to interact with and just to see them engaging with their work. Um, and it was really cool to see a type of school that was sort of trades focused, that they had all these subjects that I'd never have heard of before. So they had this one class called automotive where they just focused on like cars and machinery, um, mechanics and all that. And yeah, just being there in person, just knowing that I was one of those few people, I just felt so fortunate and thankful for that experience. And yeah, my mentor was just saying that if you were, if I was going to graduate this year, he would love to employ me because my specialization in particular was ready to come across. And also just being a female doing this sort of role in like wood tech, it's not very common. And just getting all that support from other teachers being like, yeah, you're one of the only girls doing this um, specialization. It's so good to see. Yeah, it was just really cool to hear that from teachers, just really um, encouraging, made me want to do the job even more. Yeah. yeah well, that's really too, it's so uh, wonderful to hear Mariah on so many different levels uh, that you had a really supportive mentor teacher. The fact that they're asking you to go back possibly to employ you, I think that's a, a great affirmation of just uh, how wonderful you were on your placement. I think also uh, what's what I'm hearing just listening uh, to, to some of the points that you made was that you're also a, a role model for for females in is it design it's in design tech isn't it so it's design, design tech yeah yeah and I think that that's also another uh, wonderful opportunity for for people who are listening to this podcast to really hear from a pre-service teacher who's completing a, a specialization that is really it's really about what you're passionate in doing did you do woodwork as well is that an area that you've done so I was able to teach a few lessons in, they called it woodwork mm -hmm. or wood tech. Yeah. Um, and then they also had metal tech, which was just a focus on metals instead of wood. Um, mm -hmm. They also had product design tech, mm -hmm. uh, which was a bit of a broader subject. And then materials tech, which was all different ones. Wow. Yeah, so they had a few different subjects that I could observe and teach in, yeah. And, and just out of curiosity, Mariah, was the school in those particular, I'll call them technical subjects, was there a balance between males and females or was it more males that were doing those, uh, that were, those yeah. male students that were taking those subjects? Yeah. So, so back when I was in school, wood tech and like any of those sort of tech technology subjects where it's very hands-on, it was predominantly a male classroom, mm. especially if it was an elective and the students got the chance to choose that subject, it was always almost 99% boys who chose that subject. And I do still see that um, in the classrooms today. Probably now there's only one or two girls in the elective subjects, but for the subjects where they don't have a choice mm -hmm. and it's like a core subject, they have to take that for maybe the youngies. I think it was year sevens to nines. Mm -hmm. They had to do um, a wood tech subject. They were obviously like boys and girls in those classes. Sure. But uh, in terms of what they were putting out and in terms of engagement, the girls were honestly, they were showing me higher levels of like creativity and engagement in their work compared to the boys but I, it's just kind of sad to see that in terms of like electives once they get the choice to choose that subject girls are not normally choosing that subject and it could be because there's not many girls that typically choose that in the past and it's just sort of like repeating themselves but yeah i do hope to see like more girls choosing the subject and maybe even teachers if they want to get into teaching uh would take all the technologies that'd be awesome to see Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And what a what a great inspirational role model you are. Uh, Charmaine, what did you like the most out of your school placement? And how did that enhance your sense of positivity in your work with schools and school students? Yeah, so while I was face to face, I really loved interacting with the students and getting an insight into their world and building those relationships. 
whilst I was online, I just really missed them. And even now, um, I just miss teaching just because of that reason. But also online, like I, you know, I really appreciate and needed those support network of my mentor and the other humanities teachers welcoming me, making me feel uh, welcomed and belonging as part of their, you know, their group. And also a really positive moment for me whilst online was I had my students engage in a philosophical chair or in other words, a debate. And it was just so amazing seeing my students fully engaged in this activity, creating arguments and finding evidence to support their arguments and rebutting against each other's arguments. It was just really wonderful to see that despite we were separated by distance, that we were still able to come together and collaborate and do something amazing, applying their knowledge and really demonstrating all they had learned in this unit. So it sounds like uh, that particular class that you're talking about, that there was a real buzz, there was a sense of energy and that, you know, that the students were able to engage in that debate in a way that you felt that they were really attentive to, I guess, to some of the key learning goals that you were setting out to achieve. And that's wonderful when you have those teaching moments, I think, those standout moments. And I'm sure that the students, did any of the students comment on that online activity after your class? Definitely. Like, they they had such a good relationship across all the students in that class there was a real camaraderie and you could tell that they were really engaged really enjoyed that activity even my most quiet students were fully engaged and participating and it was just so lovely to see well that's wonderful to hear because I know having taught online as well uh, in in some of my units it can be really tricky trying to engage students on a computer in a way that feels really authentic and well done to you for managing to do that in that activity and thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you Marcel. So next questions are really around qualities you know what, what are some of the qualities that you think that you have that helped you to effectively deal with some of those complex challenges that you encountered during the practicum so we'll start with you Mariah what kind of qualities do you think helped you? Well, my personality, naturally, I lean towards being an introvert. I like to think I'm quite patient. I don't usually complain until I reach a certain limit. So I'm not someone to yell out, complain and sort of cry about things at the first time I encounter something a bit hard. Um, and I'm usually quite flexible in adapting to like changes and stuff. So in terms of lockdowns and disruptions and all of these spontaneous things happening everybody around me was sort of like when are we going to get out and that kind of thing and um I was just like I, I realized that I have no control over this entire situation and there's not really much we can do other than just wait and see it is what it is pretty much and just um, go with the flow kind of thing yeah so it seems to me one of the I guess one of the qualities was the ability to just stay focused in the present moment and I think you were uh, you were able to also understand those things you could control and those things you couldn't control and for all of us COVID certainly in terms of when we were going <laughs> to when lockdown was going to finish or when when we, we, we were going to be released that that was something that many of us didn't have any control over so what about Mariah when, when you're thinking about other kinds of qualities around that helped around well-being so you had you spoke about realizing what you had control over and what you didn't have control over were there any other qualities that you think yeah um so like I mentioned before my support system and all the people that mm -hmm. I had around me obviously with lockdowns you can't really just go out and drink uh, you can't just like go out and do what you usually do so um, I had to use what was around me and I had my family and my friends so I wasn't really afraid to reach out and ask them for help when I needed it and I knew that they were there as well. They, they were always letting me know that they're, you know, I'm here for you. If you need help, just let me know. If you need me to drop off groceries, whatever. I had all of that support. 
and it's just good to know that you're not alone whenever there's like those challenges that you have so the person who I relied on the most was probably my partner since we were allowed to see each other with all those legal restrictions we were allowed to see even though we live in separate houses I was still allowed to see him he was still allowed to see me and the house that I live in as well is it's safe and there was a lot of us I have three siblings and my two parents I still live with my parents as well so there were six of us in the house plus my dog it was never empty so I never felt alone I always had that sort of comfort within my family and friends yeah and I think that's uh, one of the qualities that I'm hearing from your story, Mariah, is that you have, uh, you know, that you obviously you're very loved, you have a very supportive family network, you have a very loving and supporting partner. But I think what strikes me too is just an ability to reach out. And I think that's an important quality when we're, especially during COVID, I think that I really appreciated having people that I could turn to during COVID when I was, you know, feeling a little bit anxious or just not not feeling uh, feeling that things were kind of positive. And I think that that's wonderful that you were able to reach out to your partner, to your parents, and that you also had a good, strong friendship circle uh, to draw on. So, um, Charmaine, what about you? What, what type of qualities do you think helped you to deal effectively during this time? I would say I have a very positive personality, which leads into resilience because I'm always looking for the bright side and bringing joy to myself. You can't keep me down. I'm also like really passionate and enthusiastic about teaching, which I think help. I've wanted to be a teacher since I was six years old. So I've been passionate from the beginning and it's like knowing that I'm, you know, about to complete a long-term goal for my life, it is a very good motivator. I'd also say that I have really high emotional intelligence. I'm really good at reading social cues and picking up on things and behaviors that other people might perhaps miss. And this leads to just really strong passion and empathy for others. Also my faith, that provides me with a lot of expectant hope that things are meant to be and will be better and will be good and these bad situations will be used for good and that that is a huge comfort when facing adversity and the only other thing is like strong support networks because like I said I live at home with my family and knowing that I can seek help and ask questions from anyone, including my mentor and other humanities teachers at any time is a very, very strong comforting mechanism for hope. Thank you. And I think Charmaine, a lot can be taken away from your reflections just right there. And just some of the key words that I was hearing around positivity having that you know you said you have a high level of social emotional intelligence which is important I think when we're uh, able to kind of just work with others work with loved ones in a way where we're as you said you're demonstrating compassion and empathy and that's really really essential to maintaining healthy and positive relationships you also mentioned your faith you have a strong faith and I think having having a connection in your sense to to your God or having a, connect, a connection to a higher being does also give you an additional source of strength, I think. And that's what I'm hearing from you, Charmaine. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. It always gives me a sense of purpose despite what I face, knowing that something is looking out for me when I am you know, powerless. It's it's comforting to know that everything will be okay when you you just feel like there's nothing you can do to change your situation. So thank you, Charmaine, and thank you, Mariah, for giving us a little bit of a, a window into the kinds of qualities that you both drew on in order to deal with the challenges that you faced during COVID. So I've got the next section or the next set of questions is what we call flash questions. And I've got six flash questions, which I'm just going to ask them really, really quickly. So I'll start with you, Mariah. I'll ask you just, and you could just be one word or two word answers. So are you ready for the six 
flash questions. Ready as ever. Okay, so what is one proactive strategy that you use during your time in placement? Uh, utilize all your resources um, and don't be scared to reach out for help. What would you do differently in your practicum if you had a second chance? Definitely sleep more. Tell me one of your favorite songs and why do you like this song? Uh, Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic, which is Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. I just love the way it sounds. I love how it's that 80s vibes. And what was the most important thing that you learned during COVID? Value the relationships um, and the time that you have with the people that you care about and don't take any of that for granted. What's the best advice that someone gave you during COVID? Keep a safe distance. <laughs> and what are you grateful for today? All my friends and my family and my dog. Thank you. Thank you, Mariah. Okay, Charmaine, you've got a bit of a heads up because you heard those questions. So let's go. The first question, Charmaine, what is one proactive strategy that you use during your time in placement? Definitely networking and the social support systems of my mentor and the other teachers. What would you do differently in your practicum if you had a second chance? Ah, oh, this is a difficult question, Marcel. Um, I think I would try not take it so hard and personally initially when my students weren't engaging with online learning and using everything, all the resources that the days bring for good. Tell me one of your favourite songs and why do you like this song? Ah, tough as ever. So the first thing that springs to mind is the Beatles song, Eight Days a Week, just because it's a cute little tune that makes me smile and I can't help but dance to. But also I'm... I'm a fan of the band Sweet, which is a 70s rock band, and Ballroom Blitz or Peppermint Twist, just because I love the sound of the electric guitars and the drum beat that just gets you dancing. Wow. <laughs> so what was the most important thing that you learnt during COVID? Embrace every situation that presents itself each and every day and learn what you can from it. What is the best advice that someone gave you during COVID? Be kind to yourself. And what are you grateful for today? Today, I am grateful for my family always caring for me, especially because I'm in isolation right now. Thank you. So the Teachers Supporting Podcast series loves to inspire those who listen. So Mariah, would you like to just share one last tip to help our listeners feel motivated and inspired? My last tip would be, um, especially for you other pre-service teachers out there, don't be too hard on yourself. Just be mindful of how pressure can impact you and um, as a result, how you treat other people as well. Thank you. And what about you, Charmaine? One last tip. My one last tip for teachers and pre-service teachers who may be listening to this podcast is to be kind to yourself. It's really important to concentrate on doing the best you can with the resources and power that you have and not to focus on what is beyond your control. So thank you, Charmaine and Mariah. This, we're at the end now of our session. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and for sharing your insightful contributions to this session. And, and most importantly, thank you for connecting with us. So we've enjoyed listening to your thoughts and your insights on the episode theme, Becoming a Teacher During the Pandemic, Caring Duties Beyond Just Being a Teacher. And we also appreciate some of the practical tips that you've shared with us. And we really wish you luck in terms of the remainder of your studies and good luck for the other practicum experiences that you will have in your second year. So thanks also to the listeners out there and I hope that you've enjoyed this session as much as I have. Um, Mariah and Charmaine have also attached links to the TED Talk and they've also attached some photos. Mariah's got a photo of her computer set up and her dog. So thanks very much. Bye for now. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening everyone. you in your
professional growth, I'd love for you to take a moment to share your thoughts on social media. And I invite you to do this with the hashtag Teachers Supporting Teachers. To access this episode's notes and other episodes, as well as resources, feel free to connect on the web at www.exploreandcreateco.com or on Instagram or Twitter at Relative Pops. We'd really love to connect with you. I want to say thank you to Magnus Muni for the music and thank you to my colleague Marcel and to our future teachers, Charmaine and Mariah, for being a part of Series 6 and this episode, sharing insights onto becoming a teacher during the pandemic. And as you reflect on this episode, I invite you to consider the questions. How can limitations provide an opportunity for you? How can you be kind to yourself? And what are your go-to well-being strategies that you find helpful to help you become grounded when there's an enormous amount of change and uncertainty going around? And lastly, who are your support people? I hope you enjoyed this episode and look forward to connecting with you soon.